The word of God this morning is good things take time. Turn to someone next to you and say, good things take time. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples had been waiting for a promise that Jesus had told them was coming. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. So I love suddenly moments. Don't you just love it when things happen suddenly? Suddenly? Like I was sitting in traffic a couple weeks ago with the kids, and I was thinking this would be a great suddenly moment for all the cars to just part the Red Sea and just let us go right through. Sometimes I'm just looking at people that drive in Oklahoma, and I'm like, get out of the left lane. You are not meant to stay in the left lane if you're going to drive 10 miles below the speed limit. I like suddenly moments. I like when I don't have to wait, when things happen fast. We live in such a fast society. Fast food is such a huge deal um, in our nation. And, and, and now you can get things delivered quickly to you. You can order it on Amazon. They deliver it the same day. They're fast. You got Grubhub. You got, you know, DoorDash. You got everything. You could just order it right on your phone. And, and we're such a fast society. We love to get things instantly, suddenly. Suddenly, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. It was a suddenly moment that took a thousand years to happen. Because this moment, Peter says in verse 14, as everyone was watching, these guys start speaking in tongues. They start speaking languages that people in Jerusalem had, had never heard before. And here these Jewish, untrained, unschooled men who only spoke Hebrew all of a sudden were speaking the Ethiopian language. They were speaking languages from Asia and languages from uh, far off Europe where, where, where they had never been before. And it was a miraculous moment. It was supernatural. And Peter says, I want you to know in verse 14 that these men are not drunk. He says in verse, this, verse 15, because everyone thought these guys were drunk, that this is crazy. They're not drunk. He says, it's only nine in the morning. I like how he puts that in there. He's like, they're not drunk. It's, it's nine in the morning. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he says, this was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, Joel wrote his book in 963 BC before Christ showed up. So here we are almost a thousand years later, because Christ lives 33 years, right? Then he tells them the Holy Spirit's coming. So this is 900 and almost 80 years, almost a, a millennium later, this promise is delivered. And when the promise is delivered in verse 2, it starts off with the word suddenly. I, I want to look at that one more time. Go back to verse 2. It says suddenly. And you would think that Luke, who was a doctor who wrote the book of Acts, would think about just giving some context. It might have felt suddenly, but this was a long time coming. They had been waiting for a very, 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 very long time. And good things take time. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today, God, on just that, that word, God, that you're up to something good. And Lord, you may be taking your time to develop something good in our lives and for our lives. Help us, Lord, to trust in you. Help us to wait with faith and patience, to not despise the process or the day of small beginnings. 
God, that when this suddenly comes, help us, Lord, to see it with eyes of joy and with faith. And while we're waiting for it, help us, God, to not grow weary in well-doing. For at the proper time, we will see a harvest if we don't give up. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. Again, we are a fast society that thrives on getting things instantly. And if you're like me, um, the phone is, is the go-to spot to get things fast, right? Um, we have social media platforms that as soon as you take a picture or think a thought, you can post it within a second with good Wi-Fi or, you know, LTE or 3G, whatever network you got. You could post it really fast. You can, you can think of something, you can say it, and, and then it's out there on Twitter, and, and then you got to go and delete it if you want to get rid of it. But we live in such a fast society that we post things fast. We see things fast. We want things fast. We desire things to happen fast. And, and even when we're listening to messages of faith and we hear people say, the miracle happens suddenly, right? The other night, Dr. Winston was here, and he preached a fire message. But he said this one thing in the message. He said, um, miracles happen on demand. And I was like, that's good, except for when they don't. And I almost wanted, I, I, I was asking him later, I said, how do you reconcile when you need a miracle and you want a miracle and it doesn't happen on demand? And, and oftentimes as believers, unintentionally, we think it's our fault. Like I'm doing something wrong, my faith is broken, why didn't it happen? A couple weeks ago, I was preaching about the story of Lazarus when Mary and Martha reached out to Jesus and they said, hey, your friend Lazarus, he's sick, would you come and heal him? And Jesus gets their message, and he doesn't come. In fact, he waits until Lazarus dies, which is just harsh. And you're thinking in your mind, why didn't he go and, and visit him in the hospital? Why didn't he pray for him while he was still alive? Jesus waits four days after Lazarus is dead, and then he shows up. So, so we, we hear these stories in the Bible, and, and we realize that sometimes God does things outside of our time limits. And sometimes the miracles we thought were going to happen, when they were going to happen, don't happen, right? When Joel prophesied in, in Joel chapter two that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Joel was prophesying that the best days are right in front of us. He was saying that to a nation that was in captivity, that was in exile. They were going through hard times, right? They were, they were experiencing kings of Israel that were wicked and, and there was all kinds of immorality and idolatry. And Joel says, God's got something good on the horizon. It's just around the corner. And people are waiting. They're like, when's it going to happen? And a thousand years goes by. And then all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 2, suddenly. No, the suddenly took a thousand years to happen because good things take time. Someone was interviewing a very famous songwriter. Um, and if I was to say his name, most of you in the room would know who he is. Uh, and, and he was talking about how for a long time, he was writing songs and nobody heard his songs. And he said, you know, we live in this society where people want to have a song and then put it on YouTube and be an instant success. And they think it's just going to happen so quick for them that, 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 you know, as soon as they have an idea, it's out there and they're going to take off. And we watch, you know, stories like Justin Bieber, whoever, and we see these people who took off on YouTube. They were instantly successful. We hear about churches and ministries and people who instantly took off. It was like, you know, just overnight success, overnight growth. But he says, for me, for 20 years, I was in my bedroom writing songs and nobody heard them. He said, those were the developmental years where I was being prepared for the spotlight later on. It wasn't a sudden success for me. It was 
something that took time. And I think about how God takes time in our lives to reveal the miracles. If you haven't seen your miracle yet, if you haven't seen the breakthrough yet, just give it some time. God's up to something good. It may not happen when you want it or how you want it, but God is going to do something great. It took hundreds of years for Joel's prophecy to come to pass. But I'm so glad they didn't delete it from the scriptures while they were waiting for it to happen. I've heard people come up to me and say, how dare you say our best days are right in front of us? Don't you see what's going on in the news? When are you going to talk about the doomsday situations we're walking through with all the politics? God called me to preach the scripture, not politics. So I'm going to preach the word of God. And the word of God is prophetic about the, the church's future. And I'm telling you, we win in the end. And the best days are right in front of us. So Joel had to preach prophetically a message of hope even when they were going through hard times. And hundreds of years, they're waiting for Joel's prophecy to come to pass. They could have said, hey, let's forget about what Joel said because it hasn't happened yet. But they waited for it. Then Jesus shows up and he says, the comforter is coming. The guide is coming. The advocate is coming. And when I'm gone, he will come. That gift, the Holy Spirit will show up. And I believe God's speaking the same thing to you. Paul said in Galatians 6 verse 9, don't grow weary in well-doing for at the right time you will reap a harvest. Whatever it is you're waiting for, if God spoke it to you, if he dropped it in your heart, he intends to bring it to pass. I remember um, playing the part of Jesus several years ago in our Easter play. By the way, the Easter production this year was just incredible. And, um, and I was sitting here watching it and I was reflecting, my, my son was sitting next to me and he was like, Daddy, is Jesus okay? I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's dying on the cross and he says, is he dead? I was like, yes, Jesus died for our sins. He said, no, is the actor dead? Did we kill the actor? I was like, no, no, he's still alive. He's like, he's got blood all over him and they, they were hurting him and can we just go check on him backstage, you know? And, he wanted to check on Rob Goodman who played the part of Jesus. And I was like, no, 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 he's fine. Trust me, he's fine. I played this part. And I actually have a picture of when I played the part of Jesus. We got, I think we have a picture of there uh, of me on, there, there I am on the cross. And uh, show, him the, show him the resurrection picture. Where's the, re that, that, there I am right there. Come on. Look at that long hair. That's my wig right there. I had weaves in right there. And then I had... Uh, I had like a, they, they had to paint on a goatee because I can't grow real good facial hair at all. I'm still, I got a hundred hairs on my chin. I'm, I'm proud of them. But <laughs> I remember the moment between, go back to the cross. Between the cross and the grave, it was 15 minutes. When we were watching the Easter production a couple weeks ago, how many of y'all were here? Okay. Between when he was nailed on the cross in the service and he came out of the tomb, 15 minutes. And so often, this is what we want in our life. We want a fast turnaround. As soon as the divorce is over, we want something restored immediately. As soon as we go through the, the job loss, we want a better job immediately. As soon as we get let go, as soon as we get rejected, we want things turned around quickly. 15 minutes in that Easter service. Jesus could have risen from the grave the same day that he died. He could have taken the keys from Satan the same night that he died on the cross. There is nothing theologically that would, that, would, uh, that would prove to me or to you that he had to spend three days in the tomb, except for the fact that he decided to. It was up to him. He was God. He was the creator of the cosmos. He could have done anything he wanted to do, but he chose three days. God could have created the universe in one second, 
but he did it over a period of time. And maybe God's working behind the scenes. You see, when I was coming down from that cross and playing that part of Jesus, before I came out of the tomb, I was placed behind the curtain. By the way, isn't this thing really cool up here? I've been trying to figure out what it is. Is it like, what, what do we call this thing? I, you know, it's, it kind of looks like a lamp in a living room, a big one. Someone said it's like a jellyfish. I don't know. I love this. But when I was on the cross and then I was taken down, I went backstage. I went behind the curtain. Can you guys see what's going on behind the curtain back here? No, you can't. You can't really see what's going on. I can see you, but y'all can't see me. Y'all can't see what's back here. God often operates behind the curtain in our lives. And we don't think he's doing anything because we haven't seen things change yet. You haven't seen your husband change. You haven't seen your wife change. You haven't seen your son come back to church. You haven't seen your business take off. You've been waiting for that scholarship. You've been waiting for that dream job. You've been waiting for that thing. And you don't see it, but God's working behind the curtain. He's working behind the scenes, and resurrection is coming, right? This is what Isaiah the prophet said 700 years before Jesus shows up. In the message version of Isaiah 45, he says, Surely you are the God who works behind the scenes. You're the God who works behind the scenes. He loves to develop things over time. God is up to something good. Oftentimes, our greatest public victories come from our greatest private battles, the stuff that no one else sees, the stuff that you're praying for right now. How many of you guys got some things you're wanting to change in your life? You're wanting to see some growth. You're wanting to see some stuff turn around, right? And I just hear God saying, good things take time. If it hasn't happened yet, don't grow weary. It's on the way. He's working behind the scenes. Go with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I love this, this story of creation. Verse 1. This is how God works. He works in progressive ways. He doesn't try to reveal it all at once. Sometimes you need to save something before you show it to everybody. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't just let everybody see everything. You got to learn to... Release things at the right time. I, I, when I read this scripture, I just see, see our band and our worship team was practicing for months for what you're seeing today. We could have shown it to you two months ago, but it wasn't ready yet. It was being developed. It was being prepared. Good things take time. Good songs take time. Good productions take time. Good testimonies take time. Good miracles take time. If it hasn't happened yet, I'm telling you, God has a greater story for your miracle, for your story, for your dream. He's preparing you. He's developing you. So in Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 now the earth was formless, and it was empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. One version says he was hovering over the chaos. So God gives us a glimpse into what he did in the beginning, that he shows up and he makes something out of nothing. He shows up in the midst of all of this dark chaos, and then God says in verse 3, let there be light. And all of a sudden, light came on. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. 
God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Why didn't God make it all in one day? Because he wanted to reveal it over time. Why doesn't God do something for you all at once? Because God wants to teach you how to trust him through the process. God wants to lead you beyond your comfort zone, beyond your Instagram faith, beyond your suddenly faith. He wants to prepare you for things that are ahead. And here's the other thing. After the first day, God said, it is good. Can you call it good when it's not done? Can you call something good even though it's not where you want it to be? Right? God could have said, man, I didn't get it done today. I didn't put the fish in the sea. Oh, I'm so mad at myself. Oh, why'd you do that, God? God could have, could have been hypercritical about the process, but God called it good even before it was finished. We need to learn how to call things good even while we're waiting for them to turn around. This is good, y'all. This is good. This, uh, this sermon is good right now. The hypercritical side of me goes, no, Paul, you're not to the best part yet. No, but it's still good. Because I've been trained to be so critical of myself. You've been trained to be so hard on yourself that you can't call day one good. You can't call the first 10 minutes of the sermon good because you're living in comparison mode, right? I, it's hard for me to call something good when it's not finished yet. It's hard for me to stop right now or stop the worship in the middle of the worship set and say, it is good. Because most of us in the room would go, no, 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 it's not done yet, so it's not good. No, it's good even while it's not done. How do you know? There's people who come up to me in our, in our church and they say, man, it's going to be really awesome when this whole place is packed. And I go, it's awesome right now. Is it going to be awesome when it's packed? Yeah, but it's good today. Right now, this service, this group of people, you in the room, you watching online, this is a good day. God could have said, well, I haven't put Adam in the garden yet. The roses aren't ready. I haven't put the bald cypress trees up. I haven't put the whales in the ocean. I still haven't figured out the alligator thing. I'm still working. I got some unfinished projects in the backyard. Come on, how many of y'all got some unfinished projects at home, some spring cleaning? How many of y'all's garage is still dirty? Don't give your husband the eyes right now. He's working on it. It's good. Just give him a break. He's going to get to it. How many of y'all got some things you're still getting around to, some, some stuff you still need? Yeah. But you know what? It's good. He looked at things unfinished, and he said, it is good. Verse 6, he said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. The second day. Good things take time. Just say it with me. Good things take time. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. It is good. You need to look at your relationships right now that are still a work in progress. And even though they're not where you want them to be, you need to say, it's good. We're making progress. The fact that you're in church today is a testimony that it's good. It's good. 
But Paul, it's not where it needs to be. How can you say it's good? How can you say our best days are in front of me? How can you say that, that I have victory in my life when I'm walking through discouragement, when I'm walking through disappointment, when God still hasn't done the thing that I asked him to do? But it's still good. He's working behind the scenes. David had to say it to himself. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I think it takes more faith to keep on marching around the walls of Jericho when they haven't fallen down, to keep on showing up to church when the miracle hasn't happened, to keep on believing that miracles are on demand when they're not on demand, to, to keep on worshiping and praising when you're living with unfinished things in your life that you wish were finished. It takes faith to show up and say, it is good. Satan, I'm not, not gonna let you steal my joy over what God is doing in my life today. God is doing something good right now. I may not see it. It may be behind the curtains of my life. It may be uh, behind the stage of what I'm looking at right now, but he's up to something good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. I love this. Seed bearing plants. Seed bearing plants, that's a time thing. God introduces time. I want to create seed time and harvest. I want to create a separation between when people sow something and when people reap something. Why, God? We want it the day that I sow a seed, I want to see a tree. No, no, no. We have a pine tree in front of our church that's almost died multiple times. And I walk out to that pine tree, and I just lay my hands on it. I'm like, Lord, I thank you that you're working behind the scenes on this pine tree. Oh, I should show you the picture. It's on my phone, but I, don't have, I can't show it to you instantly. So just for a second, picture with me. I walked up to the pine tree this last week and I got my phone out and I got right next to the pine needles and I saw green and I wrote down on my notes in my phone, I spy life, I spy life. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. I spy the beginning of something good. You may not see the green pine needles yet. God could have looked at creation and said, it's not where it needs to be. She hasn't gotten her act together, God. They're not back in church. We, we haven't sold the house yet. I haven't gotten married yet. We don't have kids yet. Our kids aren't doing well right now. But God said, it is good. I can go to sleep tonight, and I am not going to be critical of my day. See, we live in such a hypercritical society. We overanalyze and overthink everything. You do a speech, I do a sermon, and six weeks later, I'm still overthinking what I should have said and what I shouldn't have said. Can you walk away from a, from a, a family get-together and not be critical about what you could have done this past Easter and go, ah, I can't fix it for 60 weeks. I can't, you know, I can't figure it out, and, and I'm going to have to live with this anger. You need to walk away each day and say, it is good. Finish every single day with that statement. It is good. Good. Just say it over yourself right now. It is good. Stop criticizing yourself. Stop overanalyzing every, every time you have a conversation with that guy, with that girl, thinking that you missed your opportunity, thinking that you blew your chances. No, it is good. God is doing something good. You may not see it yet, but God is up to something good. Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, trees on the land that bear fruit with seeds in them. God was saying, I want to create space for creativity. I want to create space for harvest. 
I want to create space. I want people to wait to see the work finish. I want to create space for things to evolve over time. God could have built this whole church, this auditorium in 1985 when Victory got out of debt. We went into the Maybe Center in 1983, 82. God could have, God could have given us the next generation building two decades ago. He could have done that. He's God. He has all the money in the world. He owns a cat, the cattle on a thousand hills and all the oil underneath it, right? Like, let's not limit what God can do. But God told my dad, I'm saving that one for Paul. God told my mom, I'm saving that one for John. I'm saving this for the next generation. God told David, David, you're not going to build the temple. It's your dream, but I'm going to give it to the next generation. Why did God stretch things out over time? Because he is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wants to do miracles in your lifetime and in your kids' lifetimes. In Russia, 1992, my mom and dad went and preached there for 18 months in a row. Every single month, a week, they gave their time, their energy. As a church, we ministered. Just last week, I got an email from a pastor in Russia who said, I wasn't at your parents' conference, but my parents were. And because of your parents' obedience, your dad doesn't get to see the harvest because our church started after he passed. But my parents were influenced by your parents. They led me to the Lord. And now I'm pastoring a church in Russia. Guys, there's compounding harvest. There's evolving faith. There's progressive miracles that keep getting better. My dad could have been frustrated after Russia going, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? How come we haven't seen churches launch yet? But it takes time. It takes time to change a nation. It takes time to build a church. It takes time to unleash a dream. It takes time to create the world. God said, let there be land. Let there be fruit. And then he said, let there be lights in the sky. I want the keys to come up to separate the day from the night, to serve as signs, to mark the sacred times, sacred times, holy moments, due dates for your destiny, days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God said, it is good. He put the stars in the sky. And then he said, it's good. And it was evening and it was morning and it was the fourth day. It was evening and it was morning and it was the fourth day. Then God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. By the way, wasn't the creation scene at Easter just amazing in here? I was talking with a couple on Saturday night service last week, and they, were, they had tears in their eyes. They said, Paul, that, that creation scene during the, the Easter production, they said it was spectacular. It was spiritual. It was, it was like we were living in this amazing moment when the giraffes came into the room and the monkeys were flying over our heads and, you know, just the makeup and the whole thing. And I just imagine... When God was creating the world, just the amazing moment how God said, okay, I want a slug over there. Where was the slug during the Easter production? We got to get it next time. Everything moves so fast. The birds, they're so fast. And then God said, I want a turtle over there. God put animals in creation that also convey part of his nature. Because God can move like a cheetah. Right? God can move like a lion. 
God's fast, but God can move like a turtle too and a slug. No, I'm serious. You know what I'm saying? I didn't get to really practice this sermon much, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit's ministering to me right now. So if you guys hate this, come back next week. It's going to be better. I've been in worship rehearsals all week, but I've been, this message has been just marinating inside my spirit because I'm like, God, there are some things that I wish were, were, were happening right now. And God says, it's progressive, Paul. I remember when we were building the next gen building and we started construction on it and I walked over to our executive pastor and our, our director of facilities and I said, hey, how long do you think it's gonna take? And they said, it's gonna take a while. I said, you think we could get it done in like three months? And they laughed. They're like, no, it's, it's gonna take longer than three months. They said, that'll be the foundational work. We gotta drive steel down into the ground. Then we gotta lay concrete. And then, and then we gotta get all the plumbing ready. And Paul, the foundation is so important. You can't, you can't speed up. You can't speed up the foundation. You gotta take your time because that's, that's what keeps the thing strong during storms and tornadoes in Oklahoma. And then we're gonna have to, the next phase, it'll take about six months. And then the, the final phase will, it'll look like the building's done, but then we gotta do all this internal work and we'll have to hang the lights. We'll have to get the, the room ready and the sound and good things take time. But that doesn't mean you can't stop every single day and say, it is good. We laid another brick today. It's good. You prayed another prayer for your husband when you didn't want to pray for him. It's good. You showed up to work with that mean boss that you've been wanting to quit and you've been so angry at. It's good. This morning, Liam crawled in our bed early in the morning and he said, uh, my leg is hurting. My leg is hurting. Oh, my leg is hurting. And I said, you want me to pray for it? And he goes, yes. So I pray for it and he goes, it's still hurting. <laughs> like that'll just, that's a good humility check. And uh, I said, can I pray for it again? He was like, okay. So I prayed for it. The next time I put my left hand on his leg and I stretched up my right hand. And I said, Lord, touch Liam's leg like a lightning bolt with healing power. And he was looking up at the sky, is lightning gonna hit me? And then he looked at me and he smiled and he said, it feels a little better. I said, is it healed? He goes, no. He's like, but it does feel a little better. And I said, you want me to pray again? He said, yeah. So I prayed again. He said, it's still not healed, but I'm getting better. Jesus did that. In Mark chapter eight, there was this blind man who was begging and he was screaming and, and asking Jesus to notice him. And Jesus stops. And it says in verse 22 in Bethsaida, this blind man was begging Jesus to touch him. In verse 23, he took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village. Now hold up. Jesus could have touched the man right there in the spot where he needed the miracle, when he needed the miracle. But Jesus takes him by the hand and he walks him out of his village. He walks him out of his comfort zone. I just feel like maybe there's a girl who lost her scholarship at ORU and she's working three jobs right now. And she's frustrated because where was God January 1st when she needed to re-enroll? And then she had to drop out. 
And so now she's saving up her money so she can enroll again in the fall, but she's still not sure she can afford it. And, and Jesus could have touched the man's eyes right there, but he leads him out of the city. He leads her out of her comfort zone. He leads her out of the university for a moment. He leads him down a path that's frustrating. Why, why won't you just do the miracle now? Why haven't I gotten hired now? Why haven't I gotten married? Why haven't we had kids? Why is he not healed? Why, why am I still struggling with this addiction? Why is it instant? Why, where's the suddenly? And Jesus leads the blind man by the hand, takes him outside the village. And then look what he does next. He spits in the man's eyes. I'm going to illustrate this sermon for a second. <laughs> Pastor Ty. <sighs> I'm just kidding. I swallowed it. Went back down. Jesus spits in the man's eyes. Everybody say, good things take time. Man, I'm telling you, bro. Sometimes good things take time and, and also good things take trust. That when God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense, like giving in the offering when you need that money, forgiving the person that you have every right to hold a grudge against and sue, and God says, let it go. Walk away, justice belongs to the Lord. Sometimes good things don't just take time, they take an extreme trust that God is going to work all things together for your good. And if it's not good yet, it's not over yet. And in the meantime, in the process, something good is still happening. So then he asks the man, can you see? After he spits in his eyes, he's like, is the miracle here yet? And the man goes, nope, you got spit in my eyes. I see people, but they look like trees. Progressive miracles, evolving miracles. Daddy, you prayed for my leg and it's not healed yet but it does feel a little bit better. Paul, you preached a great sermon, but the wall of Jericho is still intact at our house. Last night, Herbert Cooper preached about marching around the walls of Jericho, and at the end of the sermon, he was getting fired up, the band was playing, it was strong, it was exciting, the room was electric. My mom was sitting next to me, she leans over, she goes, this will be a great time for the wall to fall down. Because he was preaching. He had a big, like, curtain up here. She was like, you want to go push it down for him? <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was like, should I just run up there and push the curtain down? Because he, he was fired up. I was going to do it. I was walking up here, and I was getting ready to just knock the curtain down so we could tie a big bow around the whole sermon and walk out. The happiest ending ever. It's amazing. It fell down. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, leave it up. Because the people in the room, they're going to leave service tonight, and it hasn't fallen down yet. And they need to know that it's still good to keep marching around the wall. It's still good to keep shouting. It's still good to keep tithing. It's still good to keep showing up. It's still good to keep on loving. Because you never waste a day when you obey God. You never waste, obedience is never wasted. Even when you don't, we're not in the results department. I remember we were in Dominican Republic and my dad was preaching after service. This woman came in a wheelchair and and I just wanted to pray for her, and I wanted her to get healed right there on the spot. And so I was praying, and I was crying, and an hour passed, and I was still praying, and I was crying. And my dad said, Paul, get up. I said, Dad, I can't leave her. I can't leave her. I can't leave her. It's my fault. She hasn't gotten healed yet. It's my fault. He said, no, it's not. Get up. 
I said, why can't I heal her? Why, why, can't, why, why is my prayers not working? Why isn't she getting up from the wheelchair? And he said, Paul, get up. I got up and he said, it's time to go. I said, what are you, what are you talking about? I thought miracles are on demand. I thought, I thought faith always works. He said, we are not in the results department. We are in the obedience department. He said, we obey and we trust that God can do a miracle or whatever God wants to do, it's up to him. He said, we cannot control the outcome of people's lives. We cannot control the outcome of our prayers. We cannot control what's gonna happen. All we can do is obey and trust that God's still gonna do something good. Even after, what my dad was doing was prophetic. It was prophetic because walking away from her in the wheelchair would be me walking out of the hospital room in MD Anderson years later when he didn't get up from the bed and he passed into eternity. I was learning that God is still good. He's still good. He's still on the throne even when, even when things don't go my way. Even when all my prayers don't get answered, even when you don't get the thing that you were wanting to get, God's still good. And my job is not to control when the walls fall down or how they fall down or if it all goes my way. My job is to obey. And you might say, well, Paul, that's frustrating. I thought you were going to give us like a happy sermon. <laughs> but I think the message is that even though my father passed, Look at our church today and look at how God is moving in our church in these last few years, how God has broken so many chains and unleashed so many people's destinies and there's been so many churches planted and there's been so many good things and, and I know we all want things to go specifically our way, but even when they don't, God's doing something good and good things take time and we may not see it yet, like when Abraham passed, Isaac didn't understand, what am I gonna do without my dad? And when Isaac passed, Jacob was asking, what am I gonna do without my dad? And when Jacob passed, Joseph was asking, what am I gonna do without my dad? And when Joseph passed, the people who were lost in Egypt, God sends Moses, every generation, God has a plan to redeem and restore and renew and bring life. And if it's a thousand years after Joel the prophet said it, and suddenly the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, don't give up in your, in your harvest, don't give up on your seed, don't give up on your obedience. It takes faith to keep showing up. I want you to stand your feet all over this room. And as you do, I want to say this. As God was creating the heavens and the earth, I love this. I love how it ends in Genesis 1. Every single day, God said it was good. Every single day. After he made the snail, after he made the turtle, after he made the birds, God says, pay attention to the ants, Paul. Pay attention to the eagles. Pay attention to the turtles. Pay attention to the alligators. And then God says, he made man after it was all over. He created the male and female, and he blessed them. He said, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature. And then God said, I'm giving you every seed-bearing plant and as long as the earth remains, there will always be seed time and harvest. There will always be sowing and reaping. There will be seasons where you're obeying and seasons where you're seeing the results of your obedience. And then he ends it in verse 31. 
God saw all that he had made and he said, it is very good. I believe there is a very good coming to some of your situations right now that are still in the middle. You're still waiting. It's like the man who was waiting to see because once Jesus touched him a second time, all of a sudden he could see. There was the first touch, it was the beginning of the miracle. The second touch was the fulfillment of the miracle. Some of you guys are between the first and the second. Some of you guys are in day three and you're frustrated and God says, trust me, good things take time. You might have lost your dad, but you still have a father in heaven. You might have lost your husband, but God still has a plan for your life. You might have lost your job, but God has something up his sleeve. He's working behind the scenes. Don't get frustrated. You could leave the church. You could get bitter. You could get upset at God, but what good is that going to do you? Learn to trust God when life doesn't make sense. Real faith begins where understanding ends. Learning to trust and believe that God is good even when life isn't that God is still up to something good even when it doesn't make sense even when my eyes can't see it Hebrews 11 verse 1 now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not yet seen they're not here yet but I have this confidence that God is going to do something good I don't know when he's going to do it or how he's going to do it Proverbs 13 12 says hope deferred makes the heart sick so some of us in this room, we're, we're feeling heart sick because we've been waiting for something that hasn't happened. And in some cases, you're looking at it and you're saying it, it can't happen because he's gone. But God says, there is a longing that I'm going to fulfill in your soul because the second part of Proverbs 13, 12, it says, yes, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. God says, I'm going to birth some new longings in you. And those longings I put inside you, I intend to fulfill them. So if you walk through a divorce, God says, I have something greater on the other side of that. If you walk through the pain of losing a loved one, God says, I'm still not finished with you. I still have assignments for you. I still have joy for you. I still have purpose for you. This is the day the Lord has made, and it is good. Even though it's not finished, it's good. And if it's not very good yet, it's because he's not done with your testimony yet so with heads bowed eyes closed if you're here right now and you say that's me I'm in the middle of waiting for some things to turn around I'm in the middle of waiting for some things to come to pass just lift your hand up all over this room if that's you this message was for you God says it's gonna be good but you gotta wait you gotta be patient don't miss this moment good things take time God says I'm working for you I'm working in you I'm working through you if you just raised your hand, I want you to just leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar. We're just going to sing a song of faith. And I want to pray that as you come down here, God's going to breathe fresh life, fresh hope, fresh peace, fresh joy. God is not finished with your story. God says, I'm still working in you, on you, for you, through you. It's good. It's going to get good. It's going to get better. God says, I'm still going to do something powerful in your life. Even on the other side of your disappointment, God says, I have space to do something powerful. Can I create space to move in your heart, move in your life? Yeah, let's just begin to worship.
I remember my senior year, we were preparing for our basketball season and our coach, he said, this year you're gonna play 27 games. And he said, I wanna prepare you for the middle of the season, even though we haven't even played our first game yet. So he said, I'm talking about four months from now, you're gonna be tired and you're gonna have to face teams you're not prepared to face yet. So he said, I wanna get you ready for a time that's coming. And he said, everyone get up against the wall. He said, we're gonna call this conditioning week. So we got up against the wall and he said, I want you to squat down, stick your hands out like this. We call this wall sits. How many guys know what wall sits are? It's painful. He left us there. He said, when I come back, that's when you get to get off the wall. For 30 minutes, I was waiting, where is he? My legs were hurting, it was so painful. The guys next to me, they were feeling frustrated, angry at the coach. Why is he doing this to us? Why is he doing this to us? Why did he leave us? Where is he? We didn't know he was preparing us for the season that was ahead so that we could handle the teams that we would play that we weren't prepared to play. He was getting our legs ready for longevity. He was getting our hearts ready for perseverance. He was getting our minds ready because half the battle of faith is one in the mind. It's one between the ears. It's learning to trust even when you can't see it. It's learning to have hope and confidence to press in even when you're, you're watching other people have a breakthrough and you haven't seen it yet. But I just hear God saying, I have not left you. I've been preparing you. I've been getting you ready. I've been developing your faith. I've been developing your faith. I've been developing your faith. I've been developing your faith muscles. And you're in day three, but I have a day seven coming for you. And it is very good. It's going to be very good. I'm telling you, I have a very good day coming for you. But in the meantime, can you call today good? Can you call this moment good? The fact that you're here, that you're still alive, that you're still around, that, 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 that Satan has not won the victory yet, that you're still pressing in. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that we would develop our faith muscles, God, to persevere, to not quit, to not give up, for at the right time, we will reap a harvest. It will feel like a suddenly, even though it takes a long time. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, for the dreams, the miracles, the things that people at this altar have been waiting for, contending for, fighting for, praying for, crying for, God, that you see them. You are not distant from their prayers. You are not aloof, God. You are not absent, God. You are not turning a deaf ear to their prayers. You hear them. And God, you're working behind the scenes. Surely you are a God who works behind the scenes. I want to invite anyone else to the altar this morning. You say, man, I'm not right with God. I need to surrender to Jesus. I need to get right with God. Today is your day to do that. Come and join us this morning. Come and let Jesus be Lord of your life. We want to invite you to do that. If you're watching online, you can make that decision right now. If that's you, just lift your hand up. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of repentance, forgiveness, hope. And I'm telling you, the greatest decision we can make is to surrender to Jesus. I want to invite us all to pray this prayer right now. If you raised your hand or you're at this altar, just say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I trust you. I trust that you're working even when I can't see it. You're up to something good, God, because you are a good God. And I trust you. 
my eyes are on you. You are the author, the finisher of my faith. And I trust your time. In Jesus' name. Lord, I repent of my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I confess you as my Lord. You're my Savior. I'm all yours, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give God praise today. He's good. He's up to something good. Turn to someone next to you and say, God's up to something good. I'm telling you, you're going to see it. You're going to see it.